Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sillis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about. So pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Damian Papworth, who has grown his agency into a multi seven figure business. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Damien. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Damien Patworth. If you don't know Damien, he's the founder and CEO of an international white label digital agency. With over 10 years of experience as a digital agency owner himself, he understands the ins and outs of agency ownership. And after noticing the need for quality BPO solutions in our space, he sold his agency and built a white label digital services provider, Globatal. Damien, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brooks. Good to be here. Good to be here and excited to talk because I feel like just in the intro alone, there's so much to unpack, right? Yes. <laughs> but let's start at the very beginning. And first questions first, why did you decide to start your own marketing agency? Okay, so I started my original digital agency back in 2003. Wow. 2003, 2004. So it's a very different world there. It was We had eight or nine search engines we were dealing with. So Google really had a hit. Strapshit. We had Ask Jeeves and Yahoo and MSN and Lycos and Alta Vista. There's like lots of them. So it's a very, very different world. But I, I had an agency just helping my local businesses. And coming from the corporate world, I always, I, from the start, I understood the need for leverage, but I adopted an outsourcing model. So I always outsourced to you know, all the usual places on the subcontinent or through Asia and so forth. And there was constantly problems and the problems primarily stem where we're socio-economical, cultural, but what they tended to lead to was a, and it's all, it's just all understanding. They led to a, a, a lack of quality that met our expectations, a lack of, you know, communication differences. One thing I've found is the people I worked with, they always wanted to help. So they'd say yes to everything, even if it was impossible. And then because they never wanted to disappoint, when it became impossible, then you don't hear from them anymore. So, you know, all these sort of things that we've all experienced when we're, when we've outsourced. Yeah, at some point I realized this is kind of unworkable and there's a real need for combining the best of the Western world in business, in digital agency, along with the, the best of, you know, the cost effectiveness, the use of 
currency discrepancies and things like that to, to you know, bring the, the usual outsourcing locations into digital agency better. So the idea is that we use the, the structures that we, we get in the, the subcontinent and Asia and so forth and overlay that with, you know, proper corporate governance, quality control, structures like net promoter score and, you know, we did ISO certification so we get the, the you know, the formal quality control and that kind of stuff and then come up with a model that can be a real benefit to digital agencies. That sounds so fascinating and I'm a huge fan of Net Promoter Score and PS. So dig more into what clients you serve today. They're agencies like any agency or, or what does that agency makeup look like? So yeah, we're digital agencies. We provide services like SEO, web development, copywriting, email marketing, Social media, all the all the paid ads, all that kind of stuff. So digital agencies that serve their clients with more of the the foundational uh, digital services. Got it, got it. And today, you know, we're going to talk about really, you know, the cost of fixed pricing. Right, we had this really interesting conversation in the pre-call where I discovered that you had this thing about fixed costs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I want to talk about that. So can you elaborate, since everybody who's watching and listening wasn't privy to that conversation, on why you believe fixed costs are a major threat to the sustainability of an agency? Yeah, absolutely. So I think 2023 is a really good example of a year where fixed costs could have been problematic for the agencies. So we invoice on a regular basis around 250 agencies. So we're very aware of what's going on in the industry. And, you know, 2023, we found a lot of our agencies were struggling to sell. That was a constant feedback. A lot harder to get a sale. And obviously you have natural attrition with clients so maybe there's a contraction in the level of revenue. And when you have costs that aren't aligned with revenue, when the business shrinks in economically difficult times, then your margins shrink. And then all of a sudden cash flow gets tighter because cash flow often follows invoicing and so forth. So everything gets tighter. And so the idea is if we can align our costs with the ebbs and flows of revenue, business becomes a lot easier over the long term. And you know, a really good example that to highlight this, one of the things that we found over the last 12 months is we charge our clients by invoice. So we don't do direct credit payments, that kind of stuff, or subscriptions. We we pay per use and we charge at the end of the month on invoice. And we found our average debt of days blew out by about 12 days. So our agencies at the end of this year are paying 12 days later than they were at the start of the year. And that's not because they're nasty. It's just because life's a bit harder. You know, their, their margins have shrunk. Cash is taking longer to get in. It's taking longer for them to get an amount of money in their bank account to pay us. So they pay us, you know, almost two weeks later. Wow. Fascinating. So you're starting to kind of unravel the thread now, but how do you integrate this financial strategy into the overall business strategy of an agency, right? So like, take me, I am not a math person. <laughs> so, so what advice would you give me for kind of taking this financial strategy and applying it to my agency or my business? So I started my original digital agency because I was, I was doing Google Ads. And I was basically an affiliate making money arbitraging Google Ads. And then I started doing Google Ads for my friends who are in business. And then I started building websites. And it's kind of a common story. My skill was, was Google Ads. Then my skill was, you know, websites. Then I was a digital agency. And one thing I think a 
as far as integrating financial strategy businesses, you've got to realise there are different skills that you have to have as a business owner. So, you know, we've got about 350 staff. I've got a strong executive. Quite often as the owner, I find an issue in the business first through the profit and loss. So I'll see something in the profit and loss and I'll say, that doesn't look right. And then we dig down and it's actually, you know, a problem in the SEO team or something random like that. And that's, there's an intimacy there with the numbers that as business owners, we should be generating. And then it becomes planning. So, I mean, one of the things I like is when I talk to my agencies, I say, what's your goal for this year? You know, good time to talk about goals. And they say, oh, I want to double revenue. And then I'm like, well, what's, what's the profit and loss look like at that double revenue? And they're like, I don't know. They'd never even think about that. Yeah. So and this is it. You have to start as a business owner. We have to start building these business management skills. Like, for example, if you've got a goal, become intimately aware of what that goal will look like in your business at that point. Um, what are the financials around it? What are the cost structures around it? What do you need to pay for? What do you need to market to hit those numbers? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I'm following along, which is good. We're just going to keep using me as a case study because I'm a terrible math person. Great at creative, really bad at math. What key strategies would you tell me are important for managing or minimizing those fixed costs in an agency setting? So I think the first thing that you should do is become aware of what fixed costs you have in your business. And they'll be one of, they're typically one of three, or you typically have all three. One is, you know, office space, so property, you know, lease, which could be short term, could be long term. But it's tricky. Lease, lease space is tricky because if we're going to grow, do we sign a lease to let people come in? So, but it's a, an expense that we sign up for, commit to, and then pay every month. Human resource expense will be the second one. Who are our staff? We sign up. I'm not sure where, what the HR laws are throughout the world. I've got a good grasp of most of the world. Certainly in Australia, it's hard to let go of people. And it's obviously, it's emotionally difficult too. Like if you're letting go of people because of the economic climate, that has an impact on the morale of the team. And then the third fixed cost is software subscriptions usually. That's to help, you know, obviously manage the, the business flows that we have. So understanding what they are, a good strategy to think about is how to stop using those as a fixed cost and start aligning them with your revenue flows. Good example on human resources, that's what we do. We're a resource partner for our agencies. So Rather than hire a big team of SEO experts, they can just come and use our resources or use our done-for-you SEO services on a needs basis. So if they lose a bunch of SEO clients because of an economic downturn or a pandemic or anything like that, they just stop, stop using our services and then their cost structure for human resource is aligned with their, their revenue. And, you know, Office space. You know, we've got co-work spaces now with hot seats and things like that. You can actually align that a little bit better. Obviously, it takes some management of people on your end. Cafes. We can have a, a cafe and we don't have to pay for anything. So there's lots of options there. And then obviously software. I think the, the trick with software is to try not to tie, and I can talk about this a little bit later. We made a bit of a mistake with a software provider. But, you know, try not to tie yourself into contracts that don't serve your business that you can't back out of. You want to be able to dial up and down whenever you want. I love that piece of advice because I feel like over the past three years, well, you know, 2020, when the pandemic hit all the way through last year and looking like we're going to, you know, go into 2024 with reduced budgets and the hiring freezes happening at our clients still. But we always love to look at the fixed cost of, of software. And one of the things we've changed starting in 2020 and, and, and through now is really 
picking tools that align with our needs, but making sure that they have like that month to month option so that if we're not using it, we can just get rid of it. Right. So we're not tied into like a three month or three year contract with any sort of tool that we use. Exactly. Yeah. So I really think that that's a good way to manage fixed costs. How do you look at managing people as a fixed cost? Like, how does that work? People are tricky because it's more than just the cost. Obviously, there's the the team environment and the morale and, you know, wanting people to come to work and all that kind of stuff. So we need to be really clear on who are the absolute people we need in the office. So for me, my executive, absolutely. But then there's a lot of people that we don't need. And, you know, a good example is I could have an in-house lawyer, but I don't because, you know, I don't know what he'd do for most of the time. But, you know, same with bookkeepers. You know, we can we get to a stage where it might be easier for the business to have a, a bookkeeper in, but give someone a full-time job. I don't know. When, when the, the downturn hits, is that someone who's going to add value to the business long term? So one thing that we encourage out, let's go back a step. What we find digital agencies struggle with when they're trying to grow is they hit a point where they've got enough business that the balance between managing the business and getting the business done is very difficult. And then they need to, you know, they struggle to find the step of how do I put a manager in to look after this while I'm still selling or how do I get a salesperson? So what's that person? That's a necessary person. And we try to say, well, we can resource that person. So we can put teams of people underneath that person if you look after the management. You know, just trying to work out exactly the the best way to, over the long term, expecting both economic increases and declines to manage what needs to be managed while not tying yourself into uh, costs that you can't let go of when you need to. So on the pre-call, we talked a little bit about backing into your pricing. So I want to talk about that because like traditionally, I feel like you know, and I'm not picking on anyone. I'll pick on myself. You know, in the beginning, you just kind of like throw a number out there, <laughs> right? And then if you sell that number, great. Well, the next time raise it. Like a lot of times I feel like when we just get started, we we go off of gut for pricing. So when you say back into pricing, what do you mean by that? And what's kind of that advice on figuring out pricing that's a, that's better than just throwing a number out there? So I agree. Pricing is something in our industry that is universally poorly done. When I ask, how do you, how did you come to your prices? The first most common answer is, oh, we're a percentage of industry rates, either a little bit above, or a little bit below. And I'm like, why? And there's no reason why. And the second one is, yeah, we're doing this because our business coach told us to put up our prices last year. And they're the only two. So the problem with that is without any analysis behind what you're doing, you could have priced so that every time you actually serve someone, you're making a loss. That's a good way to go bankrupt. Um, so we've got a, um, I'll actually make this available to, to your listeners, but we've got a course on, let's go through our financials, so our, you know, our entire profit and loss. Let's work out what we can provide as far as fulfillment when we're at capacity. And that includes things like understanding utilization rates of people because you know if you've got people working for you eight hours a day they're not going to be productive for client work eight hours a day so working out what that actually looks like and this will shock most people but it's probably around 60 percent it's not 80 percent it's probably around 60 percent so with that those given hours and that time on holidays and time sick how many clients can they actually serve so you have that capacity figure and then you work out what the cost per those incremental fulfillment or deliveries is, and you divide that in, then you've got your minimum price that you can sell for and make a profit. So if you don't know that minimum, it's it's entirely possible that you're pricing 
your agency or your services in a way that you can't make money. And all of a sudden you realize, hey, I'm out of time here. I've got no more time to use. And I've also run out of money, my two most important resources. So I can't use money to buy more time through resourcing. And I can't use my resources to generate more money. And you're stuck. And when, if you've ever hit that, I'm sure there's probably a number of people going, oh, I know exactly what that feels like. It's just a pricing issue. You've just got to price differently. I was just about to say, I feel like so many people have been there. I mean, I've been there in the early days and it's, yeah, it's, you feel like you're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. So if you're listening and you heard Damien mention the, the pricing course, we are going to include that in the show notes. The show notes, if you are listening to the podcast, actually happen on the YouTube channel where the video is. So head over to the YouTube channel, look for Damien's episode, and then we'll have that link for everybody in the show notes. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. So I'm behind you still, right? We need to figure out what that minimum number is to be profitable. And then once we have that and we understand that, what are some of the financial metrics or indicators that we need to prioritize to make sure that we're ensuring the health and success and to be able to pay bills and keep people for our agency? The first thing that I like our agencies to really be honest on. So I think one thing too is when we're ever talking about metrics, the idea isn't to feel good. The idea is probably to feel uncomfortable. So you really want to be brutally honest with yourself so that you can make wise decisions. The most expensive, valuable resource in any business is the time of the owner. Now, what we tend to do in our businesses is use our time as a balancing metric. So we can't afford someone to do the website this week, so we'll do the coding ourselves get it finished, get it to the client, and we won't record that time or pay ourselves overtime, that kind of thing, and we all do it. So the first thing is be brutally honest with your time and how you're using it. Put a rate on it and put it into your financials because then you'll see if you've actually got a financially successful business or not straight away. And it's possible that it's making a loss and that's good to report and good to know. If you don't do that, what you're actually doing the flip side of that coin when you're not measuring stuff is you don't realize this, but you're probably paying yourself $8 an hour or something instead. Ouch, yeah. So, and this is one of the things too is like there's a concept of the effective rate which you can research, work out exactly how much you're paying yourself, and that as a business owner is probably the core metric that you should measure and be aware of for the ongoing improvement and value of your business. If your effective rate, which is basically 
know, how much you pay yourself divided by every single minute of time you put into your business. If that increases year on year, you're going in the right direction. So that's a really good metric. So then the second thing I think is real profit. Once you pay yourself properly and paying everyone, what's the real profit in there? What's, what's actually left over? Free cash flow. And on that point, I want everyone to think about whenever I ask agencies about their goals, they always talk about changing revenue. If you sell your agency, the buyer will be paying you a multiple of profit, not of revenue. So I think that we should all start thinking about goals related to profit and use that as a key metric on understanding the health of our business. I mean, building a business, you're building an asset, you're going to sell based on profit, not revenue. Revenue, big revenues can be profitless churn. And that's something we want to avoid. And then, yeah, the third thing I think is cash flow. You know, we all hear cash flow kills business. I think we've all, like, one of the reasons why our agencies are paying us 12 days later at this time rather than 12 months ago is because they're tight on cash flow. And that's where it feeds back into making sure your pricing's right and making sure you're flexible with those fixed costs, trying to turn them variable as much as possible. Love that advice. And I need to, I'm telling myself, because I'll watch this again when it comes out. Brooke, listen to Damien's advice about your time. And how much you pay yourself. Yeah, absolutely. We all do that. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I am. You're giving me something to go do that I feel like is really important that I do. How do you balance the need of cutting costs if you have to come to that point with the need to invest in growth opportunities? You're, You're in that tricky spot where maybe you grew a little bit faster than you thought you would, but you're not quite making the money yet. So you're trying to figure out where to cut costs, but at the same time, you need to invest in these growth opportunities that you have on your plate. I actually saw another, like a leader in our industry, did a similar post on LinkedIn today. But I think this is the question as it comes across, cut costs versus investment, is like a broadsword, like a big chop. Whereas this question is should be more framed in a way of, you know, a, a scalpel. It should be more sweet. The problem is that, and this comes back to the whole fixed costs versus variable costs too, when we need to contain spending, we look for the easiest things to get rid of. And usually that's marketing. We can just switch it off, which is bad. So instead of reallocating costs to growth, we cut costs in a way that diminishes our ability to grow because it's easy. So if we look at you know human resource, for an example, if we can reduce slack in human resources where it's no longer being utilised because the business has shrunk, we can put the, keep the money in marketing or even allocate more money to marketing so we get the best of both worlds. Now, if we can reduce numbers of licences on a specific piece of software, similar, that can go into the right areas. If we can all of a sudden, because we're not tied into a, like a fixed-term lease, if we can cut our office space by half or sublet our office space. There's another good um, opportunity with, with office space where we've got um, excess capacity. We can sublet that. We can then put that into more appropriate places. So, and But I think a lot of this too is we can only do this when we think about this sort of thing in advance and we don't expect this year to run the same as last year. We don't expect the growth that we've had over the last five years. Where, you know, we plan for contingency and we're actually ready with these sort of strategies involved, then we don't have to broadsword panic cut costs. We can actually be more surgical in reallocating resources to where they're more appropriate. 
Yeah. I love that example of <laughs> hack, hacking at it with a broadsword or machete is what came to my mind. We're just like hacking it all down when really you need the the scalpel, right? Which is exactly. very tiny, precise cuts. Even within marketing, we can go through our marketing campaigns and take resources away from areas that are not performing and make sure we save them for areas that are performing. Yeah, that's so true. So what happens when an agency grows, right? We all want the success. This is why we're listening to this podcast. It's why we do the things we do because we want to make more money. We want to grow. How do you recommend managing those fixed costs during periods of expansion? So is it still a scalpel situation or what does that look like? So I think this is a whole different process and I'm happy to do something for you in regards to this process. So the way I look at business is it's a puzzle. Literally, if we have all the pieces of the puzzle, we, we almost guarantee our success. Obviously, nothing's fully guaranteed, but we can almost get there. And there's a piece of the puzzle. Like as marketers, we tell our clients to know your numbers, but quite often we don't know our numbers very well. Um, and I've done presentations on this topic before, and I, I throw out there, well, what's your cost per acquisition? What's your, and no one's got an answer for me. This process this is a process, and if you want to key to your business, the process is called capitalization. And what this means is, do you know the amount of money that you need in your business to spend in your business to achieve the goals that you want to achieve? And it's simple as that. And, you know, we can basically guarantee our success if we know our numbers and we have the cash flow to pay for what we need to pay for. This process is when you set your goals, and, you know, this comes back to managing growth and managing scale and that kind of thing. When I speak to our agencies about what shows the profit and loss projected for the goal that you've got this year, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So when you set your goals, create a profit and loss. What does your business look like? What infrastructure do you need? What software licenses do you need? What staff do you need? Was the number of staff going to be able to deliver and fulfill on the number of services that you sold? If not, reevaluate the number of staff you need. Is your pricing going to uh, be appropriate for the foundation that you need to pay? If not, review your pricing. And then uh, from there, you know, you have a really good understanding of the infrastructural needs that you've got, how much it's going to cost. And if the pricing's right, the only last, the, the final piece in the puzzle is, is marketing. How many leads do I need? What's my cost for acquisition? You know, what are my marketing funnels at the moment? What's the gap? If I know my cost for acquisition and the gap, how much do I need to spend? And then what you realize is I have to spend three times the amount of money I'm spending on marketing. And if you, if you need to do that, then you go back to the start and you put that marketing figure in your profit and loss, or you take another approach. You can say, I'm not going to be able to get that money to pay for that. So this one-year plan is actually a three-year plan and you make it a bit longer. But I can go through this as an exercise in a lot more in depth. And I'll, I'll give you a resource also that, that your listeners can use to actually help map this out a little bit. But if you know your, your numbers and you set a goal and you build the infrastructure in a profit and loss, you can work out exactly how much you need to spend in marketing to hit that, and then you finesse that to understand either how long or how much you need to spend and that the numbers still work out. So if you need to spend $100,000 in marketing rather than $30,000, that'll obviously change your profit and loss. You might need to change your pricing. Um, you might need to change some other variables. Um, but, you, you know, you work that through the, the model and then you know exactly what you're going to do. And then the only question is how am I going to pay for this? It could be client receipts. You could be fine. You could have to take some money out of the bank as a loan. If you do that for yourself, probably pay yourself interest, you know, so that actually being rewarded for that, that's what a what 
do it as if you've got a, a loan from the bank, make it a professional profit and loss. If you're paying interest, you might need to go back to the P&L again and build that in. But, you know, just be really wise with the way you're putting this structure together and the decisions you're making so that, you know, you're optimising your chances for success. And then the things like managing scale aren't so much of a problem. That makes total sense. And I love the positivity that you shared. Like, hey, if you find out you have to spend more than you thought you were going to, and this is a one-year plan, make it a three-year plan. Like that, I think, feels good because numbers can be scary, right? It's money. Money is scary to some of us who are not math people. So I like that it's like, hey, not the end of the world. This just is going from a one-year plan to a three-year plan. This exercise isn't supposed to make you feel good. It's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because when you feel uncomfortable, you sit back and pay attention and make better decisions. And that's what it's about. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice too, because you're right. Like I'm not comfortable and it doesn't have to be comfortable. I don't have to get there to get the win. So I like that advice too. Let's talk about like the ugly side, right? So can you share an experience? You don't have to share names, obviously, where... You maybe worked with an agency or you heard through the grapevine or maybe it was a friend where they mismanaged those fixed costs or they didn't have the right pricing strategy. They weren't backing into their numbers and how that obviously led to challenges. But how did they overcome it? Or if it's a hypothetical, you know, what challenges can you foresee happening and how would you tell someone like me to overcome them? So I think the most common example of that is when as agencies we get to the point where we've run out of both time resources and money resources and that happens all the time and when that happens it's 100 a pricing issue and by pricing issue it could be the expenses behind the prices or it could be how much you're charging so you need to change the expenses that underlie you know your, your cost structures that underlie the fulfillment or you need to change the prices that's the most common but you know i'll give an example it's it's very easy to do and we've had one this year, which I'll give me, well, you said don't mention names, but it's me because I make mistakes all the time with this sort of thing. So obviously AI is a hot topic in our industry at the moment. And I tried to partner with one of the big AI providers. And one of the things that we needed, obviously, with our clients being agencies on selling our things to their clients, we need to be very, very transparent with how we deal with AI. So we'll only use AI in our services if our agencies have asked for it. So the challenge I had with this partnership with the AI company is numbers of seats. I want, I, we only needed five to 10 seats or five to 10 licenses. And I kind of said, well, we'll give you 30 and we'll see how we go for six months and then we'll readjust. I will give you unlimited usage. So, you know, I, I wanted to form a, a closer relationship with these guys. So I went along with it and we only needed five to 10 and nothing we could do could change that because you now agencies aren't using it as much as we thought that they might. Six months, yeah, we'll we drop back to 10 licenses. And the company said to me, well, you can't change the number of licenses for 12 months. We can only do it after 12 months. So I'm locked into this contract. And, you know, I probably didn't read the fine print. I know certainly the, the spirit of the agreement we went into was we'll assess for six months and reevaluate. I should have, like my mistake, I should have read a little bit closer. Um, but now I'm stuck with it's quite expensive. You know, I'm stuck with this fixed expense money that we're not using. And as I said, my clients are, you know, two weeks later in paying us. So it is impacting, you know, our cash flow. And 
mistake I made and, you know, something that I learned from. Fixed prices or fixed costs kill business and I'm, I'm experiencing it while I'm talking about it. So I can completely relate with everyone right today who's got the similar things on their plate. I'm so glad you shared that and, and that it was a personal story. So first of all, thank you for being transparent and honest. And secondly, yes, I mean, I, I'm sure that the people who are listening or watching can feel this because we've been in the same predicament where, you know, we've taken on certain licensing with tools and then didn't have the seats to fill them, but we're locked into that 12-month agreement. So we're now paying for these seats or these licenses that we're not using and there's nothing we can do. So I think that really goes back to what you said in the beginning, right, about the three fixed costs. Like, how can you yeah. look at your software costs and figure out where to go? Not signing 12-month agreements, hopefully. I mean, one of the things that I became really clear with this is I'm sure if I started with five licenses and then at six months said, let's increase to 10, they would have been no problem. We can change your license agreement. <laughs> it's so easy for them to increase licenses. They'll do that in a snap. But that's every software provider but they just don't want you to decrease. So with software, it becomes a fixed price or a fixed cost. Start really conservative and build as you need uh, rather than start generous and then try to pay back. Yeah, I think that would be my advice too with software. It's like we try to run as lean as possible. And when we're because we're running lean, when something pops up that we need, we really need it at that point. What planning advice would you give to an agency owner who's new, right? We've ta I've talked to a lot of new agency owners, or maybe they're struggling, right? It's been a, a tough three years. So what advice would you give to someone who's yeah, new or struggling when it comes to, you know, planning for financials? Okay, so I think if you're new, spend more time learning business skills than the technical skills or the reason you came into what you're doing. You know, if you came because you're a graphic designer, spend more time learning business skills or get a really good team around you of people who know business skills that can support you than what you're spending on the, the graphic design skills. So that means double entry accounting. That's a really good one. To know not as a qualified accountant, but as a business owner who uses the data. You know, at some point as a business owner, you want to be able to, as I mentioned earlier, be as intimate with your profit and loss so intimate that you can see problems in a specific team within your, your agency because something doesn't look right on the P&L. So that's probably the main thing. And then the second thing I would say is when you set goals, get to know them as intimately as possible as well. So a goal with no meat around the bones is just a pipe dream. You know, you've got to know what the P&L looks like. You know, you've got to know the infrastructure you'll need to get there. You've got to know how much resources you need to, to fulfill on, on that business and how much that costs and you need to know that your pricing is going to work and you're not going to run out of money and you need to know how much marketing you need to know if you're just started and you're doing a B&I event every week when you're going to hit capacity with the leads you're going to get from that B&I group and what are you going to do next because you'll find that you won't hit your goals if you're just doing that one so what's, what's going to be the next thing and then the next thing after that? Because, you know, scale also isn't linear growth. Scale is supposed to be accelerating growth. And also scale is different to growth because it's supposed to be doing more with less. So how are you going to multiply what you're already doing? Obviously, B&I is good to get one-on-one -on -one referrals, but then you need to look at partnerships where you get one-to-many referrals. 
and then you need to see, but that's all time too. So then you need to start thinking, how am I going to get leads without paying my own time? And what does that look like? You don't need to be perfect with your, you can just do a basic spreadsheet of this is what I think my costs are going to be. This is how much I think I need to, even knowing my goal is going to be, you know, for say 500,000 revenue this year, divide the number of clients and number of products in there so you know exactly what you need to sell. A lot of us don't even do that. But that's good. You're like, 500,000, that's, that's this many clients and this many services. That's going to be impossible. Well, it's not. You just need to work out how to service it. So, but it's good to know that stuff. So, you know, when people talk about visualization, you know, they talk about not just having this picture in your mind. You're supposed to smell it and hear it and, you know, touch it and feel it to have all your senses engaged. It's the same with business planning. You want to have every element of your business engaged in that, in those goal setting and that, those sort of planning. Yeah. I love that you said, know the numbers. We worked with someone that helped us redo our ICP this year. And what we found was we really only need 10 more clients, right? And that changed the whole game for me from a, from a visionary perspective, right? 10 is, it's not going to be easy, right? But it's, it's so much easier to know it's 10 versus it's to get to this number, it's 50, Right, because it feels so much more attainable when you know like what that number is. I think that's a really important point too, also because, and especially knowing this when it gets difficult, as digital agencies, we're not like the theme parks that need to sell, you know, six thousand tickets a day to break even kind of thing. We need, you know, three or four clients a month, and that's it. The numbers aren't big. Then, if you know your your conversion of leads to clients, you know that could be nine conversations a month, which could be, you know, 15 to 20 introductions a month, one a day. The numbers are never that big as an agency to be scary, but we do need to know them. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So here in the U.S., it's an election year, right? Which usually means it's going to be a topsy-turvy economic year of, you know, I think financially, I've said this on past shows, the past few years, we've kind of all been in wait and see mode, right? Because everybody predicts certain things are going to happen and then it doesn't happen that way. And, you know, markets fluctuate. What advice would you give knowing that, you know, this has been the market and this will probably be the market for a little while longer? What advice would you give for agencies to adapt their financial strategies to stay competitive and profitable, knowing that things might just continue to be like this? So things have been like that for a long time. Like we've had COVID, obviously, that was difficult for managing businesses. Then it seems to be pretty strong economic decline, even though there's debate on whether it's recession or not, but it's down, elections this year. I think we've just got to assume that that uncertainty is going to continue. I think another big one in our industry at the moment is artificial intelligence. You know, one of the questions I have in my mind, and this isn't try to scare everyone because I'm very aware of the alarmism also for digital agencies, but will we have an industry in 10 years? That's a question. As far as dealing with uncertainty, I think there's a few things we need to do. One is get your numbers right, put money aside. You should have three months of your expenses in a bank account that you can draw on if you need. So that will help you get through basically anything you need to get through. And you just keep that money in a higher interest or highest interest cash account, and that becomes your your working capital. I'm going to be careful with this because I know as digital agencies, we love our shiny objects. And I talk about this too when I do my capitalization workshops for people. I think have an R&D budget. 
where you get to try new things. So don't call it a shiny object, don't chase shiny objects, but give yourself a little bit of play money to check things out and to suss things out and to try new things and that kind of thing. But put it in your profit and loss, limit your time and your money for these things so that you're not chasing shiny objects. And, you know, you'll find some things will work and some things will take them into the future and some things won't. It doesn't matter. It's an R&D expense. Three months reserves in cash, a little bit of an R&D budget, but then align your cost with your revenue. Simple as that. If you, if you can retract cost and if you have a, a time of uncertainty or time of contraction with as your revenue contracts, everything will fall into place. It's pretty much that simple. Yeah. I mean, you make it sound simple, which means you're a very good teacher. So thank you for that. Last question. We'll have the link to the course down in the show notes, but if people want to connect with you, where do you hang out? What are you working on? Give us all the goods. So globatolmarketing.com and globatol is global digital squashed together into one word. So it's not an E-L at the end, it's an A-L, globatolmarketing.com or globatol on all the social medias. Obviously in the, the show notes, a link there to a resource page. What we also do, obviously, we recognize that it's a challenge for many agencies to start using a resource partner because it's a little bit of a change of the business model. So we give through through partners and, and when we when we do uh, sessions like this, we'll give a $1,000 credit to try our services for agencies that come through. So we'll do the same with your podcast book. If anyone wants to have a look at what using a resource partner looks like for their agency, we'll, we'll offer you a $1,000 credit so you can have a try with minimizing the risk to your agency. I love that. That's amazing. Everybody go connect with Damien. I'm going to go crawl around your resources because I think, you know, you're, you've just been super helpful and I can't wait to talk to you again because I feel like we will have new things to talk about as they relate to finances for the agency world, especially around, like you said, AI. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and can't wait to have you on again. Thanks for having me on, Brooke. It's been great. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.